Introducing the D'Addario Autolock, made with locking strap ends for an easy-to-use, clip-on system. When you're done, just pull the latch and slide it off. Keep your guitar on lock with the Dario Auto Lock. Doing his best, Mike Sullivan, right there. It's Ross Hurt. Ross, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Ross is in D.C. in his own little uh, warehouse space there, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, staying safe. Ross is joining us today because of his band Burial Ways. But if you quickly noticed and familiar with his voice, he's also the guy behind the Rigs of Dad podcast and Instagram. But before we get to Rigs of Dad, <laughs> tell me about Burial Waves and kind of like. It's a who's who of the D.C. Baltimore area, and I know that you'll say it's the who's who's of who cares, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's how I'd put it. Uh, but, yeah, it's um, uh, my, myself, uh, and, and honestly, it's just a group of guys that have been in probably too many bands uh, over the years that have all shared the stage in some capacity or anything of the source, but we've never actually been in a band together. Uh, my old band, Black Clouds, uh, ended rather unceremoniously and the drummer and myself were kind of like, how can we keep something going? Like we still have all these ideas and things we want to do. And Kyle from pianos just happened to be like, Hey, if you guys are up for doing something, I, I love black clouds. I'd love to do something. And soon after that, uh, we approached Kevin, uh, who's a guitarist to play bass. I switched from bass to play guitar. And then we have Matt, who's an insanely talented bassist uh, from you know, deleted scenes or the effects. It's like, do you want to play guitar as well? So it, it's kind of like a weird, you know, hodgepodge of uh, DC Baltimore dudes that, you know, we've all been friends. It just, it, it, it just made sense for the longest time. We just never did it. <laughs> And, and Kyle, just to put that out there, because I don't want anyone to be confused or worried, is, you know, Pianos isn't quitting. This is just, you know, another <laughs> band for another, you know. Yeah, uh, very much active. They're actually recording an album right now, uh, which is why he's not here. Otherwise, I'd probably convince him to hold the camera or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> put him to work. Yeah. Well, before we get into the gear, which I know everyone's excited to hear, I want to talk to you briefly about Rigs of Dad and how to get started because it's one of my favorite follows on Instagram. It's kind of the reason I open up the app because a lot of it sometimes is just garbage, to be honest. <laughs> but that is the one that gets me to come back because it just makes me laugh. And it's so relatable to whether it's a story or the image. 
man, I'm just curious how it started and how you've been able to carry it on this long. Yeah, so that was, uh, it, it, man, it was like six or seven years ago. Um, I was just out with some friends drinking and we were just kicking around the idea of we should start a dad band uh, where we're just way more focused on, yeah, the hangs and cracking open a couple cold ones than actually bothering to learn songs or anything like that. Like, yeah, we'll play a puddle mud song here or there, but like for the most part, like let's get some beers in the Marshall fridge and let's just hang out. Let's like buy some fresh black denim and uh, you know, not not even break it in, not break the band in, just break the break the fridge open. And um, yeah, it just kind of like started as a text thread like that and then turned into uh, Instagram thing and it, it just kind of went from there. But uh, I, I think what makes it relatable is, you know, you've probably played shows with with these dudes before. I know I have. Like the the first show I ever played was like for dudes that like either worked at Guitar Center or wanted to work at Guitar Center, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it, it was it was an eye-opening experience. And, you know, if you've worked in an office job, you've had the guy who works downstairs come up and be like, you should come to check out my show. And it's just, we all know those people. And Yeah, it's, it's not even like within the guitar community. It's like, that's what's so great about it. Like you're kind of alluding to there with the office environment where it's like, you know, that sketchy guy that, you know, comes in twice a week to refill the Culligan water coolers. He's telling you about his band that plays from six to 10 at the Chug Suckle. So like, yeah. <laughs> we all know those people. <laughs> it's yeah. just like perfect. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're a special bunch and I genuinely love it. I don't try and knock it. I try and make it more of something that's just a fun and yeah, I embrace the, the dad rock vibe. I, I feel like, do you ever have any, I mean, like, issue with the gear companies that are featured in it because like you know you do go gear in in the caption that, that you write and put with the, the photo you know you know a lot of times with sleep parker flies have any of those <laughs> gear companies ever like reached out to you and said hey man cut us some slack or or are some people like they lean into it uh some people lean into it um some yeah i mean it, it like i i i think the ones that like get the brunt of it you know are not necessarily like, I don't think it's because they're bad instruments. It's never been about like, this is a this is a piece of shit sort of thing. It's more of just like, we all know that this is synonymous with affordable. <laughs> and since most of these dudes are probably pl paying tuition somewhere, the yeah. like, they're probably not like, well, I could buy this matchless combo. Um, yeah, my wife will go for that. Or it's more just like, or it'll be my ex-wife and I have this matchless combo, but I'd rather have like the, the, um, yeah, the, the crate amp with the Epiphone as opposed to the Les Paul custom, uh, Gibson. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I, 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 last... I don't get, I don't get flack from a lot of the companies. Like, I think a lot of the companies that pop up on there have a, you know, awareness, keen awareness to it. Yeah. And then one last thing about Rick's day before pop-up is that uh, the Instagram, I don't know how that worked out, but now you're doing a podcast that started, uh, you know, early 2020, I believe, or did it end yeah. 2020, 19? Yeah. I, so uh, right now uh, we are in my, the venue that my wife and I own downtown. Uh, we used to, the band used to practice at our house. Since COVID hit, we can't practice at our house. Uh, <laughs> and we have 
not, we're not able to open doors here. So we've just been practicing here. Um, and with, you know, when you run a venue and your doors are closed, you're kind of just like, all right, well, is this $1,800 going to float me for the entire year? So I was just like, I need to do something else. I need to do something different. Uh, so I, the, the Instagram page has gratefully, I'm so grateful for it, opened up so many incredible doors and started some fantastic relationships with people that love to talk here, uh, love to talk, like tell stories about, you know, being musicians and stuff like that. And that's something that's always fascinated me. I've always been an mm -hmm. avid rig rundown watcher. So, um, you know, without trying to steal your thunder or anyone else's like interview thunder, I was kind of just like, I would love to share some of these stories with people. Uh, yeah, I like the, the weird part of it is years ago, I had, I ran into Henry Rollins at uh, Starbucks at like midnight. It was closed. He was just out front, uh, just writing in a notebook. And I just was kind of like, hey, like, uh, I just have to say, like, take a minute to just say, like, I wouldn't be who I was if it wasn't for you. And thank you. And he sat there and talked to me for like an hour and a half. And wow. I think about that conversation almost every day because it was just so inspiring. And it was one of those things that it's like, I wish I fucking recorded this and I wish I could share this with everyone because it was so enlightening. And this is pretty much the only way I'm able to pay that forward in any capacity. So that's, that's yeah. the long version of why I started the podcast. Henry is such a rad dude. He's an inspiration, not only from like a musician standpoint, a human being, but also like, it's like a traveler, like the, the oh, way yeah. he goes about to see the world is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean that, that we talked about that a lot and his, his story is always, you know, what is your story? And that's, that's yeah. kind of where his story starts. And I think that's just such a fascinating outlook on life. And I mean, you, you do enough of these interviews to know that that's, you know, nothing short of inspiring when you hear people talk about their story, talk about their gear, talk about, you know, their identity and everything of the sorts. It's, it's awesome. So yeah, I love, I love sharing that stuff. So. Well, let's enough of the formalities and kind of throwing <laughs> that stuff out there with the band, got the rigs dad. Let's talk about gear. I'm going to use one of your patented phrases, the riff rifle. What is the riff rifle that is in your hands right now? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, um, this is Sasha Dunnable makes just incredible guitars. I don't need to tell you that, uh, they pop up on, your show all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, I, I've had so many from him, uh, uh, particularly Cyclopses. This is, I think, my fifth Cyclops from him. And um, this is the only one where I think that I nailed it. He nails it every time. But this is the only one where I nailed it and was like, I, I messed this up like five times. So yeah, uh, it, it took five times for me to get it right. And essentially uh he walked me through it to the best of his ability the first couple times but kept kind of being like eh, if you want to do that sure but this time i learned from all my mistakes and made this exactly how i wanted to and what were, a, yeah what were some of the mistakes or what was some of the things that led to this one uh just not not really uh having a firm understanding about some of the tone woods that go into some stuff uh not thinking about uh the weight uh, that like anything from like tuning pegs might have to uh, the different kinds of woods to um, the snappiness of something like, you know, maple uh, fretboards versus like kind of a warmer rosewood sort of thing. And, you know, ebony is kind of right in the middle there, at least for me. 
uh, and then and then pickups. I mean, he was kind of new in pickups when I started getting builds from him, mm-hmm. and now he's just absolutely completely mastered it. But I didn't know what kind of pickup I wanted from him, so now I know what I want from him at all times, and he nails it. Um, what is it? What what is what you want from him? And what are the ingredients in this one? This cherry. Yeah, so this uh, it, it's um, this is TV yellow. Uh, it probably just looks weird on the camera, um, but it's uh, uh, an- antique TV yellow. I've always wanted a, a antique TV yellow double cut Les Paul. Like ever since I was a kid, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, he was able to build kind of just something as close to it as I would have wanted to, uh, with the exception of the pickups and stuff, obviously. But uh, this is a mahogany body and a maple neck, ebony fretboard, uh, pearl block inlays, Grover tuners, and then uh, the pickups, which was a learning curve for me, was uh, this is a Grizzly in the bridge, uh, which is one of his pickups. And then in the neck, I have uh, underwound, um, like kind of half-wound banana slug, which he doesn't really market that much, but they're just chimey, but still like really warm and... Uh, if I'm clean, I'm always on the neck, and if I'm like really pushing it, then I'm always. I'm, I try and stay on the bridge as much as possible. But he really nailed it with this neck one. And um, this was kind of when it comes to learning from mistakes. Uh, my my backup. I have a, another one um, which I'll, I could pull out if you want, but um, is uh, <clears throat> the same sort of deal, and it was. I had another Cyclops that was uh, black burst with uh, metal uh, and aluminum robot graves neck. And oh, wow. I just needed a backup. And I hit him up and was like, hey, what do you have that like maybe someone bailed after the deposit? You haven't gotten the final balance. What do you have laying around that you just can't sell? Because uh, I need a backup and I need something different than an aluminum neck because it's just, it's very albini and i need something warmer yeah and he was like if you're man enough for this one it's a shell pink uh dunnable he was like i could get it out in no time and he swapped out the pickups and everything i had before that was swamp ash bodies uh my base is swamp ash um but this uh, was mahogany i didn't really have a choice in it because it was pre-made mahogany maple neck ebony fretboard um and i got this and just completely fell in love with it So the only thing that I've really changed from this one to that one is instead of the trapeze, I have a a stop tailpiece on that one, Um, which, yeah, they're they're all the same. Like when I play this one, I definitely have some fun behind here. Um, And that one has coil taps so I could uh, split them if needed, uh, particularly tracking or anything like that. I never really do that live, but Mm -hmm. tracking I will all the time. yeah, so it, those are like my two. That's my that's my main one. This is like dream guitar number one, and this is kind of not my beater, but it's definitely taken some abuse. All right, Ross, what do you typically use for strings and tunings with the uh, Cyclops? Uh, so for these, um, I because I'm like a bassist at heart, uh, I have really just stubborn and heavy hands. Uh, and so I, I do 12 through 52s on uh, these guys. We play in D standard for most okay. of it, sometimes drop C, uh, but for the most part, it's D standard. So 12 to 52s, I just uh, started on 10s and just realized even just hitting an open E, I was just 
hitting it so hard it, it just every time i hit a chord or fretted a note it just sounded like the intonation was terrible which i know is not the case it's just it's me <laughs> <laughs> well, all right well how about we uh maybe talk about your amp setup and then we'll dive into your magnificent yeah. pedal board well, unless there's uh, something else back there you want to talk yeah. about um so this one is turning into my frankenstein uh so th yeah this this is a J Mascus Squire that I've really kind of ripped apart. Um, it, this one is actually, these are nine, uh, tens through 52s because the tuning is just CG, CG, CG. Okay. So um, we have a couple songs that uh, I just like do a lot of like, you know, just like weird, like discord stuff and some, um, some kind of like open, um, like drone note stuff that I, I love. Uh, that's just, whoa. That's like riffs like that, where I would not be able to pull that off if uh, it required tapping. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I just kind of did that. And then um, the other jazz master that Matt has is, uh, is um, the Troy Van Leeuwen one. And I've had a couple jazz masters uh, over the years and I fell in love with that one mainly because I use the rhythm switch all the time and I'm obsessed with the Troy Van Leeuwen, like easy metal up and down one, whether you yeah. use it as a kill switch or anything like that. And uh, once I fell in love with that one, I started just ripping apart the mask. So I, I put a mask, uh, this is a state trim bridge Mastery vibrato, uh, change the knobs, which is just whatever. And then uh, I found this toggle switch and it just changed everything for me. And then Sasha, a couple months ago, was like, hey, do you have a jazz master? I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, I found a way to actually replicate your pickups into jazz master sizes. Wow. Um, so these are the Dunnable uh, Jazzer size Grizzlies in here so before when i would have to switch from one guitar to the other to single coils or in the, the mascus instance the p90 sort of thing mm -hmm. uh i needed something more i would always just put like an ep boost at the beginning of the chain or something like that to give it just a little bit and then when sasha started doing that it changed everything for me so. Did, did he do anything to the circuit or not the circuitry or the winding and everything with the, the, the actual like wire he uses or is it literally just the same pickup just housed in a different kind of configuration? It's pretty, it's pretty much the same thing but housed differently um, and the way it uh, I, I don't know how they fit all that beef and power into that enclosure and it's um, it, you know it's, it's waxed in there and stuff like that like when I was putting them in I was kind of like, oh, I could, I, I think I texted him like, can I get this color cover or actually don't even send covers for it because I'll just fit them in whatever, but they come completely covered and encased because it is a full just unit on its own. <laughs> okay. Well, should we get, uh, I don't know if I want to call it number one or number five, but we'll let you decide how we should call that one. Your other, uh, your main ride there and hear what your amps are and your pedal board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I went down the rabbit hole of super nerd amp um, stuff recently. And uh, uh, Black Clouds was a stereo setup 
stand. And I always liked the way to do it, uh, stereo with a lot of texture and ambiance and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of the delay stuff is stereo. So I, I'm at, I have always run a stereo rig and I always had kind of um, two uh, 212s with a head on my side of the stage. And then on the other side of the stage was uh, twin reverb uh, on top of uh, Matt's uh, JC120. And that would get the stereo thing. And then um, I would always kind of have like a little bit of signal loss issues or just like, shit getting lost in the mix. So mm -hmm. I swapped it uh, to now I, I run everything wet, dry, uh, wet. So it's, uh, I have a dry amp, which is the Music Man HD 130. And that goes into this uh, closed back orange 212. Okay. Uh, the orange 212 is just the best cabinet. It's just, it's, it's awesome. And I, I don't need a 412 but that thing does all the work for me and it's just uh, dark and warm and I like thicker, darker sounds as opposed to brighter. So that cabinet is my dry and my main sound. And then uh, I realized that the difference between having just stereo full wet and wet dry wet is literally just the small little quilter head that I've had <laughs> for a while. And those things are amazing. They're insanely powerful. They sound remarkable. The they react and you know you're able to interact with it just like you would with a tube amp uh it's it's mind-blowing the way that they were able to dial that stuff in so uh i have a quilter uh tone block that goes into this um 212 that i just it's unnamed 212 found out this place called atomic music in beltsville maryland uh it's just kind of a beater cab but what i was able to do is i was able to tone match it almost identical to my twin. And then uh, when the, the twin tone masters came out and you have the attenuator on the back and you could give mm -hmm. it like a little bit of gain and dirt on there, it just, it changed everything. I was like, well, one, it's lighter. And two, yeah. it, it, it just has a little bit of extra dirt. So no matter what room you're in, you could adjust for that. And it complements those two just almost sound identical. Uh, really? Yeah. So it's like for the stereo bouncing back and forth, it's great. And then having the dry be a little low, it's it's awesome. Do you know what the speakers are in the, the no-name cab that you picked up? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, on one, one of them is an Eminence uh, Redcoat. And then the other one is Eminence Legend, um, okay. which I, I did kind of a lot of digging because the orange is V30s. Um, yeah. And I uh, had to change the homage to uh, eight ohms, but those are, those are uh, V30s. And then I just kind of did some nerd searching for right in between V30 and Fender Twin. And it seemed like the thing that I found, I didn't do a lot of trial and error. I just kind of did the dorky forum stuff and found that those two were yeah. pretty good. Um, so it worked. And when I tried it in the shop, I was like, this is pretty good on its own. So. Well, right on. Should we move on to your pedal board and kind of see how this all kind of works in flight? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, first thing is just uh, everything just goes into a tuner. Uh, first and foremost, just Korg, pitch black, nothing special. Um, then uh, after that, it goes into this Z-Cat, uh, which is a, a big, it's called the uh, Big Reverb. And it's like a spring reverb. And 
I used to have it at the very end of my chain and I had this cool box that Ryan from Fuzzrocious built me where I could actually move it to the front of the chain if I wanted to and stuff like that on the fly. And I found mm -hmm. myself doing a lot of cool pad sound stuff with the mix turned all the way up um, on this reverb. It's just, it's a gorgeous sounding reverb. So I, I had that pretty much front of chain so I could do some weird kind of creepy floaty stuff uh, that pops in and out. Um, after that, it goes into the Digitech drop, which I use either for mainly octave down, like you heard at the beginning, or uh, sometimes we go a uh, step and a half down for some of the newer stuff. It's better than having a baritone yeah. uh, laying around or taking it around everywhere. Um, after that is the Digitech Freakout, which I, I love this thing. Uh, when I was playing bass, there was a couple songs uh, for Black Clouds that required me to get feedback. And I used to have kind of amp. They stopped making that amp. Once that amp died, my perfect pitch feedback disappeared. So I was like, there's <laughs> got to be a way to capture this. And the freak, freak Out came out. And now I pretty much, I almost exclusively use it as a theremin. Um, okay. So like it, 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 it has just like almost a keyboard sort of sound. There's little to no, uh, the, the attack is pretty much dime. So there's very little dry signal coming through when I'm using it. Um, I don't want to interrupt you, Ross, but maybe can, can we hear some of this stuff? And I know that as some of the stuff you'll explain and talk about it probably sure. gets used in conjunction with other pedals. But yeah, let's, let's hear the reverb and you know how you use the freak out too. Sure. So uh, the reverb in particular, um, I use, uh, there's a song that we have coming out called Lightheads. And I usually have like a weird uh, drone sample uh, that... Uh, uh, that uh, starts off the um, song that and I'll kind of have that going and then just have like a little like So once this whole thing kind of goes, it'll get it gets buried underneath some of the stuff we're playing. But uh, I'm I'm a big Warren Ellis dork, uh, so I, I like having weird droney stuff underneath. But uh, standalone, the the um, like it, it kills. Like you might be able to hear the strings on this mic, but it, it kills all the just like dry signal of the strings, and it. Mm. It, it works great for like really kind of pretty orche orchestral stuff. Um, the, uh, yeah, so, th so that's the reverb. The, the freak out I use mainly for like this uh, kind of like. Uh... So it's little bit of attack in there from the guitar, but like it, it really just like. Almost like so an Ebo. 
Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very similar to that. Uh, when I, when I do like slidey stuff is when I'm, I refer to it as like the theremin sort of sound. Um, but pretty selective with that. It's it's not used a lot. Um, but it it turned out to be like one of those things where it's like, man, I can't take it off the board because then this sounds like crap. Um, the next up is uh, the Dirty Robot by Digitech as well. And that is um, just a crazy synth pedal. And I really only use it for one song, but it turned out to be like the big part of the song. I use it in conjunction with the drop. And it's just like a, like, uh, let me see. It's just like a. So we have, we have a song called uh, Cinema Shame, and that's like the main sort of thing. It's, yeah, we could do keyboard, but I like to just replicate sounds. I'm a Tomarello kid, so. So that's, that's that kind of sound. Um, it's like Tomarello meets, like if he was in a post-rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I, when I got the pedal, the first thing I did was like, oh man, I could play uh, Subtle Body by these arms like now with with this pedal it just it it's a cool pedal um i haven't found a lot of uses for it but it it's a crucial part of that one song do you um, use it in the synth or the vocal setting because i'm vaguely familiar with that pedal the dirty robot the synth so okay. like yeah uh it, it's tied together in the settings right now with a bunch of delay sort of shit but mm -hmm. uh if i wanted to like do stranger things kind of sounding stuff where it'll adjust with the attack Mm -hmm. um, and since, like I said, I, I play big and dumb, uh, like I, I hit really hard, so it starts really low and then uh, gets up there. So it's a, it's a nice build on that thing. Um, and then after that, uh, everything goes into the ES8. And this has become like the, the best thing, the best like purchase ever for me. Uh, that song in particular, Cinema Shame, I, I started to notice that I, but between one part and the next part, I would hit six pedals all at once. Not all at once, but I try to. Uh, just Dang. to like transition to one, from one part to the next. So this just makes transitions so insanely easy. Um, and I guess I could go through like what's in each loop and then kind of some of the things that I love about it and tricks that I love about it. Um, yeah, do it. The, uh, the, the first is the, uh, the Mel 9, which um, the EHX L9. Uh, I, I never give this pedal consideration at all until uh, I think it was Matt Armstrong uh, from like Murder by Death and Frank Iero was just like, dude, you, like, you love the Blade Runner soundtrack. You have to, <laughs> you have to get this uh, thing. It'll, it'll, it'll change everything. So. I did, and it, it definitely did. So I do like when I do those like kind of ambient like 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 it just adds a full orchestra of and I could listen to that like like I told you, Brian Eno is like huge. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it takes you to a very calming place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Mel 9 is number one, and that's, that's pretty much always number one in the loop. Uh, after that is my main, like, kind of dirt, and it's um, uh, Scott from Calhoun Walled City uh, builds these. They're, they're 
uh, it's the KWB plus. And I think it's, uh, from what I understand, it's, it's a kind of cloned version of an MXR distortion plus, but the one he had was from 1979. And I guess it had like one of these weird fucked up circuits that made it really beefy and low on mm. like the, the other ones. And I saw him post a picture of it. I was like, dude, what is that? And he told me. And I know that, uh, oh, I've read, I don't know for certain, but uh, I think that's like the pedal that both uh, Sweeney and Clay Tarver from Chavez use. And that's, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> to <be> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm buying one of those if uh, possible. So it, that's my main, um, my main, like pretty much, it's almost always on just like, like, I, I used to use a lot of Tube Screamer style pedals, plumes and stuff, but this thing just like the way it breaks up just seems to fit more where, especially on the lower stuff, it's just like, it, it just, it's all there. I mean, that's, that's like, that's bridge pickup and it's just like, just has like all this depth to it, so. Love yeah, because like your your guys' stuff with burial waves, like especially something like the guest is like a beefy bruiser. I don't know, I don't know yeah. if that's pedal on there, but yeah, that's a lot of you have a lot of low end yeah, picking yeah. up with the guitar. Yeah, yeah. That that is that is uh that one I didn't get that one until after we recorded, but that was um uh, man, I think that was actually the plumes that I recorded that one on. Uh okay. but this but I had the plumes set to an area where every one of my friends that looked at my board was like why do you, what, what is this for? Like, why do you even have it set like that? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the next one I have is in loop three is the, the, um, 1981 innovations, the DRV pedal, which is, you know, similar to the original rat. Um, but it, it's just gives a little bit more extra rad, um, gain, which I love. Um, but my favorite thing, and this is where the, nerdiness of the ES8 kind of comes into play is you could also you you can move these loops around in whichever order you want on this thing mm -hmm. so uh and same with the volume block you can move the volume pedal around to any which way so you could even run some stuff in parallel so like there's a couple things that we have that might have just a normal delay no reverb on the KWB running like in one circuit where it's like, okay, like that's cool. But then you could throw the volume knob in the parallel loop of it and turn it into something that's a little more gain driven, a little more like soak like. So like you could add like, like going, rolling into it. Like, So instead of like hard clip, here's the next part sort of thing, it, you could you could ease your way into it, which is pretty rad. You definitely did some like uh, instruction booklet reading with that, because a lot of people just use it as a simple like loop switcher to kind of put their pedals in line. You've you've used it to its full extent. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it was a learning curve because I I was using the Line Six HX effects before, and then it's it's really just with so much of this stuff, it's learning a completely different language. Mm. And once you've learned the basic vocabulary, you can find your way through it. And then uh, you focus on what you wanna delve into. But yeah, the volume pedal is just a um, tapestry audio bloomery. And it was like Norman Brandon from Texas is the reason was kind of the person that said like, 
oh, my favorite pedal, the most essential part of my setup is the volume pedal because I get everything off the amp and I just love rolling into gain instead of like, click, like here's the, here's yeah. the gain switch. So I use it every once in a while for that and I love it. Um, the, uh, the fourth part of the chain is, uh, this is my super nerdy Warren Ellis uh, dorkiness. Um, it's the um, Last Gasp Audio Gamora fuzz. And it's like a subharmonic fuzz that is just like so gross. Um, where I just mainly use it for like, uh, like, uh, you know, a lot of like, just like, like you could even just hear just the Velcro starting to rip. Uh, yeah. Like I, that, that band Soons, I think it's pronounced Soons, had like the. Yeah. So I love that. I love listening to Warren Ellis do all of his insane. Uh, I think he uses like a Moz box or something like that. And this this fuzz just fit the bill. Uh, so I, I use it sparingly, just like like a couple just gross bit crusher. Like a couple riffs like that, um, but. I would not be able to do it if it weren't for that pedal. <laughs> so that's a buzzsaw, man. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so that's in the fourth one. And then uh, the fifth one is actually this guy, which is uh, not even a pedal. It's just a Lail P-Split, um, which is passive. And what that is, is that's the dry out. So I have the dry out going into there. It's pretty much always on unless I switch to, you know, if I do like this, like that sort of stuff turning that on will kill I, that's the only time i take loop five out so that kills the dry amp um and that was actually uh josh newton hit me to that idea uh where he was like yeah if you like why don't you try going out of a loop and use the p-split and it's great because it has a phase inverter and it has a built-in uh ground transformer in there so it kills any phasing issues or ground noise issues as well um, Josh is definitely an asset because not only is he great tech, but he's also a great musician. So like he, yeah. he's, a, he's a, he walks both, you know, both feet in both camps. Yeah. Yeah. Just ultimate human being and just the <laughs> rest, dude. Um, number six is, uh, I'd never know how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's the Reaver or the Rever or, uh, what, but it's the old blood noise endeavors Reaver. Um, and, uh, it's cool. Like I, I was, I used it a lot and then I started to notice that, for when I started changing a couple things up before it in the signal, it would give off some weird gain that I didn't really like, uh, but I found a way to use it, and now I use it a lot more than I used it before. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a delay, it's a reverb, it has a little bit of modulation in there, and that also has a reverse, I believe, reverb that just kind of like swoops up. Um, so like, like standalone, uh, it's just like a weird... Like you could kind of hear it like, like pull back in sort of thing. So I do that for a lot of the drone noise stuff that I um, uh, end up doing. Um, so that's six. And again, I, I run these things all over the place. I move them all over, all around. I put them in different like parallel running series, everything of the sort. So they're all over the place. Um, loop seven is where I start going in stereo. 
In okay. loop seven, the first thing is the Wampler Terraform, which is new to me. Uh, I just started using it. And uh, it's cool. I use Chorus a little bit. I'm not a big Chorus person. I use Phaser every once in a while. Uh, but um, I'm not using a lot of the functions on here, but I'm starting to incorporate them more and more. Uh, like, you know, here's like my, like you said, the guest, it's like, like that sort of stereo chorus thing is pretty rad, but. Yeah, um, I love that dark chorus too. Like with your tone already kind of being darker and that yeah. adding that in there is just so haunting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it uh, actually replaced my boost pedal that I had on there because you could just set it to the auto swell function leave everything where it's just dry signal, but then turn up the volume a little bit. So it, it gave me a clean boost that I needed and it's MIDI controlled. So with everything going in stereo in loop seven and eight, I just leave that shit on all the time. And I just uh, switch between the MIDI settings on there. Um, so the next thing I have is the Polymoon, which is probably my favorite pedal ever. Uh, it's just the craziest delay uh, pedal it's everything I wanted in a weird delay pedal. Um, when I was demoing songs for Burial Waves and like started writing stuff, I became obsessed with, uh, on GarageBand, there's an amp called the Cascade Amp. And then I would add a couple other things before the, it even goes into the interface on there. And for some reason, I love that sound and I can never replicate it with anything <laughs> until I got this pedal and I was able to replicate the sound from GarageBand that I wanted. It sounds a little more pristine, but uh, the, it, otherwise, and, otherwise you're going to be one of those. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those guys like uh, Robert Fripp who has a keyboard or not a keyboard, but like an actual MacBook or something. You'd have yeah, to queue yeah, it up that yeah. way. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the Polymoon is just it, it's so great. Uh, and it, it could do everything from really weird, uh, crazy delays uh, to like, uh, like, like that weird sort of phased out stereo stuff into, um, you know, if, if needed, it could just be like a single quarter note, clean, no reverb sort of thing. So when I was doing the volume stuff, I'll run that as like a normal delay into the timeline uh, and Big Sky, which is more kind of soaked uh, sound, which is, that's number eight, is the timeline followed by the Big Sky, uh, which is just, that was a crucial part of Black Clouds when we were a band, and I, uh, it, it, they're just awesome. Like, I just, I love these pedals. They're, I'm still learning the Big Sky because I never used one until this band, but it, it is rad. You could do so much stuff with it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they're like little computers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that wraps it on the ES8, and then that goes out into the Ditto X2, uh, which is just, you know, looper, uh, either for transitions in between songs live or uh, the occasional, like, drone sound that I'll have running underneath a song for a bit. Um, yeah, and then that goes out. The looper goes out wet, and then everything after, everything after the, or before the um, last gasp in uh, 1981, everything from there forward is uh, dry. So yeah, that does it for my board. Well, Ross, before we have you uh, officially hang up your guitar for a second, I, yeah. can you show, show me maybe your favorite patch or favorite like 
co combination like or your favorite sound for your rig? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. That was that was. Uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my so my favorite ones like I really do. I am a sucker for um, those ambient uh, swell stuff, especially with this is Mel Nine Poly Moon. Want, this is like uh, this is pretty much everything in the kitchen sink except for any gain stuff. But the, that like it's just that that's one of my favorites. Um, the uh, there's um, a let's see. I mentioned the Cascade amp sound that I love. Uh, like that's kind of it. Um, sounds a little more reverb soaked than normal right now, but. Uh, But yeah, that, just that kind of creepy soundscape texture stuff is um, important to me uh, for a lot of a lot of different reasons. And then, uh, you know, the other stuff is just stuff that we're still kind of working on, um, which is uh, you know, using a lot of the stuff I was mentioning, like rolling in between like the two and stuff like that is pretty important, but. I think that if I had like a signature weird sound stuff, it, it it's yeah in a song where it bounces between like the, like that sort of stuff for one moment and then like the like that sort of sound like the next and um, yeah and then like there there is a. The, the one that I did at the opening, uh, I think it's just listed in here as just heavy fuck, which is just like a... Or, Man, uh, yeah, that that's like going into big business territory. Jared, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jared's huge rig. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love that band. <laughs> Should we move over to Matthew's setup? Uh, yeah, I, so I, I, uh, haven't even hooked any of his stuff up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I could just kind of tell it, tell it from afar, I guess. Um, his main thing is he has the, uh, JC 120, uh, which for us, I mean, since so much of the texture stuff depends on good clean tones, we mm -hmm. just need amps with a lot of headrooms, hence the music man and stuff like that. And uh, the Roland JC20 is just a powerhouse for that. It's like practically a keyboard amp. And um, he runs, uh, he uses that, that Troy Van Leeuwen um, Jazzmaster, the older one, not the, not the new one. Uh, I believe that is, I threw a set of Curtis Novak P90s in there recently. Uh, we, every once in a while, would use um, just the, the stock Jazzmaster pickups. But when we started, when he started doing some more high gain stuff, it was it was just taking people's heads off. So we we changed them up to something a little nicer. <laughs> um, In the cinema shame video, I saw he was playing like this weird. It was a different color jazz master, and I don't know if that's yeah. his or yours. Is in a head like uh, like I want to say they're Joe Bardens, or at least yeah. the the bridge pickup was a Joe Barden. Yeah, for sure. Like so uh, that was yeah. You're you're one hundred percent correct. That is a. Uh, Chicago Music Exchange special build uh, uh. jazz master. So it's surf green. It's got the matching headstock, and I love that thing. And Shelby 
uh, from Black Bobbin uh, hooked me up with that one. And just what an awesome guitar and what an awesome dude. Um, but that was one of those things where before I knew Sasha was making Grizzlies uh, or anything like that, I, I wanted a humbucker sound. Uh, and the Joe Barton was kind of the only thing that I could find at the time that would give me what I was looking for. And it kind of does ran- both, right? Yeah, yeah, it does it like- do- yeah. It's a two-tone. So he always had, when Matt started using it, he he always had the coil split um, because the <clears throat> I think he had a wide range, um, a Curtis Novak wide range in the neck, uh, or or maybe it was the he had a, he had a heavier one than just a normal single coil in there, mm-hmm. and the Barton was great, but those things are like too perfect, and Matt's also a bassist like at heart uh and originally and it's funny i pl- i'm a bassist matt's a bassist and kevin who plays bass is a guitarist um so we just kind of flipped everything around but the barton was like it was too perfect you could hear everything to a fault like it was just too high definition and it's a great pickup but we're not good enough players <laughs> for, for that great of a pickup um so i uh originally through the um when i when i got the um when Sasha sent me the Grizzlies for the Jazzmaster, I threw the the P90s that came with the Jamascus in there, okay. and then I liked them, but I wanted to have something a little more, um, you know, defined. So the the Curtis Novak P90s were just like perfect, um, and uh, again, like the it's, so much of it is the 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 design of that guitar, the Troy Van Leeuwen one, is just perfect. Obviously, we we swapped out the the bridge it's a mastery bridge it's a mastery vibrato um because the i think it came with a mustang bridge originally and it was just mm-hmm. it, it yeah not not cutting it um but everything else is pretty much the exact same um uh oh we we changed the tuning pegs those are hip shot the locking tuner ones just because poke our fingers enough um and then he uh his, his setup is pretty simple. Um, so his board is, uh, he goes into a ditto, uh, which is just, you know, in case there needs to be like a loop during a transition or something like that. Um, and then volume pedal. And uh, the, uh, after that is the Palisades by EQD. It's the uh, Earthquaker Palisades. And like I said, I love Tube Screamer sounds. Uh, and that's their first kind of go at it. They really nailed it with the plumes, but that one's great because it has, you know, gain A, and then it has the second channel with it, and then it even has a boost after it. So Matt's just started kind of incorporating outside distortions and gains in because everything else is Helix. Uh, so it's the HX effects from line six, and I programmed all that shit so I could just be like, here, here's verse one, like here's, you know, the second part, here's the bridge, here's this, and you just hit it one button, don't even think about it. And that seemed to work because the other thing on his board is the, the mastermind uh, foot controller, which he really just uses to turn our lights on and off and stuff like that oh, okay. on stage. Um, I'd like to figure out a way to control everything either via the HX effects or the mastermind, but I just haven't, I'm not that good at MIDI yet. <laughs> We need like a second pandemic, so then you can really dive into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that I mean that's that's kind of it. Like uh, I'm gonna probably start incorporating a couple different drive pedals into the loops of the HX effects, and then put those blocks in certain chains and stuff. Because right now a lot of it is uh, onboard HX stuff, which is great and fantastic. It sounds good, but I'm I'm a purist when it comes to the the drive pedals and game pedals and stuff like that. Um, now, real quick, if it's if it's able to be you know vocalized through words and rather than demonstrating you know with guitars and everything mm -hmm. going up at once, what are your guys' role being a two guitar band? Are you kind of more the atmospheric guy, the helium guy, and then he's more dry, yeah. cut middle? Yeah, I, I, that that's fair. Um, the way the way I always kind of looked at it was taking the the drum and bass model from Young Widows uh, sort of thing, where it's just gross and terrifying having really pretty floaty guitars on top uh and then what i started to realize with matt coming on board was it it, it just made sense to just fill out some of those lost frequencies because kyle's voice uh when he's singing fits right in the middle so we have the bass and the drums and then a lot of times what matt is doing will be around dancing around the kind of bass stuff um i don't like it too much when the bass and the rhythm guitar are playing the exact same thing. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's plenty of times where they're, they're, that's just needed for weight. Uh, but I like when they kind of move in, in and around everything. Uh, we're all DC-inspired musicians, so you know, bands like Jawbox, bands like Bugazi, where it's, you know, they're all kind of doing their own thing independently. It just happens to work happens to be the case a lot of times and then sometimes it doesn't sync up and we're just like all right well let's just double that sort of thing um but he does he does get high and that's the nice thing about the hx effects is he's able to just completely flip sounds around from song to song to song it's like having a different pedal board for each song so there are some songs where i'm doing very low uh detuned like heavy whether it's atmospheric stuff textures or heavy riffs and he's doing really up high, either floaty, shrill sort of stuff. Um, we haven't we haven't messed around with like the stereo chorus on the JC120 that much yet. Uh, but I know that there's a way to control that via the HX effects. We just haven't set up that uh, four cable method yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that probably summarizes Matt's setup, or is there anything else you want to say about that? Um, no, I mean he's he's pretty much jazz master through and through. There's um, you know two songs where he'll hop on one of the Dunnables and uh, just to give it a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about the HX effects stuff. I haven't used any of the, the full Helix amp modeling stuff, but I know that is incredible and remarkable technology. Uh, I just, when I was using the HX effects, I wanted it for delays, verbs, and modulation stuff. And mm -hmm. when I started, uh, you know, using it with Matt, um, it, it just, the, the possibilities and some of the stuff that we've stumbled upon in the process, because he's a, he's a very non-traditional thinker, like very kind of Johnny Greenwood in his approach to playing. So uh, it, it's having all the toys that he would want in, in front of him on that little, you know, eight button unit. And it's, it's super easy to use. I, I was so intimidated before I got that thing that I was going to be lost, but that man, like the, the, the fractal stuff scares me because yeah. like the positioning of the mics and everything like that, it just seems like I would get lost in that. But uh, that stuff is for beginners that are looking to get nerdy on 
sounds, tones, drives, compre even compression and shit like that. The HX effects is remarkable and awesome. Yeah. It's like a foot. It's like a foot inside the you know like a, a kind of a learning curve that you're able to just get in there and kind of just start playing rather than I could yeah. feel like with Fractal or even a Kemper you might have to have like a, a degree of some sort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least for me, I know there's a lot of guys that are fluent out there like Aaron Marshall from. N intervals like i know that people are really fluent in that type of technology but for me it's way over my head oh yeah and like and and talking to those guys like justin from black clouds was fractal and he could you know if i saw him and asian steve sitting together it would just be like like yeah foreign language i, I just wouldn't understand what the what the hell they're talking about with that fractal stuff but um but i mean that being said man the way Ken Andrews has just completely mastered that stuff. And I know yeah. that the Jimmy World guys are using it now, and it's just, like, it, it is, it's a game changer. Like, it's game changer technology, for sure. It's funny because, like, as a, our show thrives on the setups like you have that we already went over, but as we go out to more and more of these, hopefully in the future, in the near future, a lot of those guys are touring with that kind of setup, which yeah. um, almost makes our show not obsolete, but <laughs> it definitely makes it a lot more succinct, we'll say. So what kind of dummy cab do you have over here for this one? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, going direct into house with Fractal, if they're playing pavilions, arenas, or like anything 3,000 plus, it, it just makes, it makes sense. Um, but for me, and, and all those guys are doing in-ears, and I, I get it that that's what the that's what their stage needs are. It, it makes total sense to me, but there's, there's something about being on stage and feeling the cat, feeling the air move behind you and like just softly patting you on the back. Like good, good tone, man. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. I guess oh, that ahead. leads into bass. <laughs> yeah. That leads us right to bass, man. Yeah. What should we talk about? Uh, Kevin setup? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Kevin, for for Black Clouds, I used um, the Sun 1200S forever, and that was like the head for me. It was just so perfect. And the thing is, is they would die all the time. So like, I guess there was issues with the heat uh, sink in them. And since they're two pre-solid state posts, the solid state amps would crap out all the time. And I went through probably five or six of those things. Like they would just, once they're dead, you can't fix them. Um, I know Fender makes the 1200S after Fender bought Sun, they, they took the exact same model, same schematic, fixed the heat sink and um, it, it's great. But I was never able to find those ever. I would search reverb forever. Sometimes they were insanely priced and everything of the sorts. Um, so what I, I used for a long time and Kevin was, uh, Kevin's been using is uh, orange, which I think they stopped making the, the four stroke 500, which I believe so. Yeah, man, the compression on that thing and the EQ on that thing just replicates everything I loved about the Sun 1200S. So Alex, when he was at orange was, was kind enough to help me out with the four stroke 500 and it, it changed everything. And I loved it. It's great. Um, but just literally three weeks ago was at atomic music in Beltsville and just digging through the stack of the graveyard of cabinets and amps that they have there and found a Fender 1200S and played it, sounded great, worked fine, brought it in. And it's, we did the ABY test on it and it's just like, no brainer. 
<laughs> like, like we're, we're going to use this, but we keep the orange around all the time in case Fender didn't actually work out that Hinksy <laughs> heat sink <laughs> uh, deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the graphic EQ on it is great. Uh, everything about it is just like massive and thunderous. And um, uh, the main sound is pretty just like clean, like loud PA sort of sound. But uh, Ryan from Fuzzrocious was kind enough. This is like 10 years ago. He built me this perfect pedal uh, that was a kind of a, a TS uh, 808 circuit um, that had a couple of little switches that I couldn't even really figure out what they do, but he knew what they did. And I was like, hey, can you make this but add a blend knob to it? Uh, and he did. And I had that pedal that it's not on there, but as soon as I was able to afford to get a clone made, I got the clone made and it has the, the dude from Phantasm on it. Uh, I just thought like <laughs> Shannon's artwork at Fuzzerocious is always amazing. So uh, that's his like main dirt. Um, I guess the, like the, the, the bass to start with before even going into the pedal is probably most important. I played P basses for the longest time. Uh, when I went to Chicago Music Exchange in 2016, 16 i think it was for riot fest uh i went to uh yeah i went to cme and in the basement they had a couple dunnable bases and i picked one up and was just like oh my god <laughs> like, like i've never played anything like this uh so this is this is one of the earlier ones uh he made this in 2017 according to the serial number um and this was one of those things where i i didn't know what i wanted to do really I just knew I wanted uh, one of his bases, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I probably would have changed the fretboard to ebony or something like that. But it's mm -hmm. rosewood fretboard, uh, Wenge uh, neck, and swamp ash body. There's a little bit of neck dive, but uh, Kevin's pretty animated on stage, so he actually works with it pretty well. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and going from P bass, I, I just knew that I loved P bass pickups. Uh, I love the punchiness of it, but I wanted to try one of his um, Bigfoots. And uh, there's, I don't know if it's a mistake or what, but like the, the bridge pickup on here is so deep and so warm that it sounds like the, the neck pickup of a neck pickup sort of thing. It's, it's crazy uh. where the P bass is like, you know, does its thing so well. But set like le just setting it and forgetting it with like right in the middle there is just like the like just like perfect tone where like bridge is like see it's like kind of warm and then the P bass is like a little thinner but right in the middle there like a lot of tune but uh, just crushing it's it's everything I've wanted out of a bass the neck. I kept saying I wanted like even thinner than a jazz bass neck if possible. And it is the thinnest neck ever, but it's just, it feels great. It's the fastest neck I've ever played. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love this thing. I, I'm obsessed with this bass and it's, it's so light. The, bal the balance is great with the exception of a little bit of neck dive, but I think that's again, learning curve for me when I was like, I want this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not putting too much thought into it. Um, but yeah, he, he hit it out of the park with this one. Um, so yeah, the first, the first thing in the signal chain is, uh, the, 
the first thing in the signal chain is this uh, Fuzzrosis custom build. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's just like super transparent. It has the blend knob. So I would always find with almost every bass drive gain distortion pedal, you just lose that low end right the second you turn it on. This mm -hmm. fixed all that. Um, and uh, I love it. And I've been using that pedal for over 10 years now. Uh, and it's, it's awesome that it's being still used in this way. The original one is not the guy from Phantasm. The original one is uh, he, or Shannon, painted, uh, um, what's the guy from uh, Total Recall, the little guy? Quato? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she yeah. painted uh, Quato to look like the ultimate warrior. Uh, no, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great, but it, it, it's sitting on a shelf at home where I'm kind of just like, this is too special to me to like take it out or let it get uh, spilled on or anything like that. From parts um, unknown, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the next one, uh, like I said, we're, we're getting ready to record in just a couple weeks. So his board is kind of like messy and because we're, we're changing out stuff every practice, like pedal wise, what we're like, this sounds good for this song. This doesn't. So we know exactly what we're going in with. Sometimes we're using the four stroke 500. Sometimes we're using the Fender 1200. It, it just depends on what the song needs and that's what we're fine tuning right now. So when we go into the studio, since we're not a band that's like, yeah, we have this place for three months. Like let's, <laughs> like, let's bring the children's choir in or like bring a cow in yeah. or like this. We're, we're looking at the watch and we're trying to make the most of it. Uh, so that's why uh, we're switching stuff around. But one of the ones um, which is uh, uh, Fuzzrocious, uh, Sea Demon, uh, I believe is what we legally have to refer to it as now. Uh, it's um, similar to another pedal that has something C, D in there. And yeah. um, when it was called The Demon forever ago, I was like, oh, can you put my favorite demon on there? So it's Bob from Twin Peaks as like the, um, that, that's that. But it's, it's a demon pedal with a gated boost uh, mod on it as well as a blend knob and that thing is just a little more chainsaw than the the custom build one that he made for me and when you throw that gate on there for anything that's just like like anything like that it's just like the way it closes that gate is just awesome um the next in his chain is the original uh sanford and sunny bluebeard which uh is such just it's the best like it's, it's the best pedal this is before he added the tone bypass switch on there or anything like that um and that i remember seeing I, I yeah i think it was young widows live and just seeing this pedal it's just like an old beat up gray enclosure uh with like this bright <laughs> blue dot i was like what is that found out what it was through talk bass forums and uh found myself putting my name on many waiting lists in the DC area to get one of these if they ever popped up in a store secondhand. And I got a call two, like two years later. that was like, hey, wow. we finally got one. Like, you're, you're up. So I went in, snagged it right away. And I'm not joking, we played two shows with that thing. And it was in my uh, drummer, Jimmy's car. 
and car got broken into and stolen. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and then uh, serendipitously, this guy that I work with was like, oh, I, I think I know the guy that makes those. Let me, let me send him a message and see if it's him. And then I got on the phone with Sonny uh, from Sanford and Sonny Bluebeards. And he was like, dude, I heard what happened. Like, how can I help? I was like, I'd love to buy another one. And he made me one that was just like perfect. Uh, wow. And uh, I was showing it off the other night. It's fastened to the board right now, but I like took the back plate off of it and stuff. And like, there's his phone number. There's like a nice note and everything. And he sent it in a box filled with comics, like a bunch of watches and like all wow. sorts of other stuff. I was like, dude, what's up with the watches? He's like, I don't know, man. Like if you retire, just give them out or go to a retirement <laughs> party and just hand them to people, do, do whatever. But uh, yeah, I've had that same pedal forever. And I've since bought a, a couple different Bluebeards, mainly because I saw 665 was for sale. Number 665, I was like, dude, I want 666. Mm. He's like, that belongs to Pig Destroyer. Uh, oh, of but, course. But I got 665. <laughs> uh, so I Can bought, we hear I bought, this pedal? What's that? Can we yeah. hear it? Yeah. Because um, I've never even heard of this pedal, let alone heard it. Okay. I've never heard of it or heard it in, in practice. Yeah, so the Bluebeard, uh, this is it. You, you definitely should at some point in time feel this thing instead of just hear this thing because the, I, I know like a, myself included, watch a lot of these on my phone sometimes <laughs> or, <laughs> or anything of the sorts um, or on my laptop. So it's not really made for laptop speakers, but um, if the camera rattles, you could probably get a sense of it, but it's just like the, the low end of just like the... It's just devastating. And when you stack it with the other one, it's like you could you could get like crazy feedback squeals if you want to. Um, I'll save yours on that. But like and it's just for some reason, it just doesn't lose any low end in the mix. And I remember playing a show with I think I, uh, we weren't playing with Dillinger, but Liam from Dillinger was there. We were up in Philly. And I hit that one on at the end of a set one time. And he was like, dude, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, so it's the Sanford Sunny. Now they're made, um, uh, man, I forget her name uh, from, um, she is the bassist for Multicult. She has now taken over production of, um, of these, the Sanford Sunny ones, because Sunny is uh, now a, um, uh, realtor and stuff like that. He still builds uh, every once in a while. And if you could find them, find them. Uh, they rarely pop up on reverb. And when they do, they are gone like that. Wow. Um, and then, uh, and then after that, it's, uh, he runs in the head rush. Um, just delay. Uh, I, I like the analog delay part of it, uh, quite a bit. Um, but there's a couple things that we've been doing that require more digital delay stuff. Uh, where it's a much more rhythmic and you could hear it and stuff. But um, for me, like, I, I'm a fan of delay and bass on reverb, especially like the kind of ice delay from a timeline or and like a nice shimmer verb or something like that. Because uh, we're, we're one of those dorky bands that like every once in a while we'll do like the cello bow. Um, mm. 
to get like those weird sounds. And the analog delay captures it without having to use a reverb pedal uh, for what we're doing, at least right now. And um, then after that, it, it, the last thing is just this little tiny kill switch. And that is just a signal killer where it's just, we have uh, some things where it's just the noise just crescendos, it's delayed out, it's crazy. And instead of having any trails, I'm able to stomp on a blank patch on the ES8. He's able to stomp on this little thing and Matt's able to just switch effects. So like you get that like, it's almost kind of like a reverse cymbal uh, sound where it's just a cacophony of white noise and delayed out feedback and everything that just stops on the dime. So it's pretty cool. And especially if it's going into one of these two heads, it's it just is devastating. <laughs> so Who got the head rush first? Was it you or Mike Sullivan? Because I know he's a big fan of the head rush stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Cook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing, uh, we played a, my old, old band with Kevin years ago, uh, played a show with These Arms of Snakes. And I remember, um, uh, what is that song? Idaho? Is that what it's called? Um, where it's just like, Brian's playing a mini Korg on it, but he would pre-track a one-hit loop on it with the head rush. And uh, now both of those guys are, I, I know they stopped making them. They're, they're buying them, like, whenever they see them. And one of my favorite stories about it, and uh, both Mike and Dave told this story on my podcast, is um, to switch between delay, the digital and the analog, and the looper, because it has a looper built in. Um, you just push both buttons at the same time. So red is looper, green is analog, yellow is regular digital delay. They did, Russian Circles always has a lot of crazy stuff happening with their transitions in between songs. And they did a tour where they were like, all right, well, since Dave can't see us through the fog or we don't have a mic, we don't really communicate, why don't we have a thing where since we each have an extra head rush, um, we don't start the next song until we turn it to the green setting. So that's a green light for Dave to start the next song. Otherwise it's on red and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And there was a show that they played where uh, Mike had just like severely uh, injured himself uh, like before their set even started and was just like, I don't think I'm gonna make it through this show and stuff like that. Um, many other things happened during that show and the, the, I'll save you the full scope of the story, but they were about to, like, Mike was just like ready to not be on stage and just kind of was like, all right, let's, let's go. And Dave was yeah. like, ah, 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 the, turn, turn your little light on. You made the stupid rule and now you gotta stick with it. <laughs> so it's, it's hard for me to look at these things without laughing. Um, and honestly, the, the one that I, I like to swap in and out a lot, uh, I had it on my board for a while and I'm gonna hopefully convince Kevin to do it, is the DOD Rubberneck uh, because you could add some gain to the delay, but you also have the uh, regeneration hold knob, which is just like for weird noises. It's, it's kind of like a, one of those Sib Mr. Echo pedals where you could speed it up, slow it down or whatever. Mm. And they, I think they called it the slam function, same thing. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, if it, people want to check out your stuff, I know that uh, Cinema Shame is already out there, you know, in a video format, so people can check that out. But as as your guys, I think the plan is to kind of release music 
leading up to a full release, so like song here, song there. If people want to keep uh, tabs on that, where should they go and who sh how should they check online? Yeah, so um, we're working with uh, Dark Operative Records. Um, so, you know, they, Brent is just amazing. He, he's working with Caspian, worked with Power Trip, uh, works with uh, This Will Destroy You. Um, so it's, it's an incredible family to be a part of. Uh, we have more than, more than an LP's worth of stuff <laughs> that we've been sitting on. And we literally were like, all right, let's, let's, let's fucking do this. And we played two shows. First show was okay. Second show was sold out. And then pandemic happened. And we're like, all right, nothing's happening now. So we're like, we're not going to put out an album right now because I, I knew last year, I was like, this is going to go on for well over a year. Like we're, we're not yeah. even near the end of this. Um, so we, we put any LP plans on pause, but we still wanted to put stuff out. And we're like, well, why don't we just do songs every once in a while? Uh, you know, if people want to binge an entire album, like they binge Tiger King, they're going to forget about it in a month. But if you know, yeah. we, we do the Mandalorian or WandaVision version where it's like, oh, like here's something, here's a new episode sort of thing. Maybe it works out. I don't know. But um, not all these songs are going to be on the full length. We're just kind of putting them out one okay. by one. And, uh, and then we'll have a full length ready to go to support and everything after uh, uh, we are at a healthy, vaccinated world level <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you, so, yeah at, at Burial Waves, I'm pretty much it. If you type Burial Waves, it's pretty easy to find us on yeah, any of the platforms. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't suggest, again, if you're a fan of comedy and guitar, please, please check out Rigs of Dad because that is a great follow. Uh, it's a game between myself and Perry and other people that follow those the same things, like between that, Rigs of Shit, Rigs of Doom. Where we, <laughs> it's almost like who can like it first or like hardtimes.net and then send it to the, to the other friends. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, man, I, I love what you do and keep doing it. And I love Burial Waves, too. I can't wait to hear the rest of the stuff. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And thank you for having me. I, any chance I have to talk nerdy gear stuff, I'm like so game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For Ross out in D.C., for myself in Nashville, keep rocking and stay safe, everyone. Yep. Later.